millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. You can find a lot of great information on our website, historydweebs.org. From the link to our Facebook group, to where you can find our podcast, our social media, TikTok, and YouTube links, as well, of course, as our Patreon. But our most important link is at the very top, our sponsor, Black Cat and Me Etsy Shop. So if you're looking for unique decorations for your home, go to Black Cat and Me Etsy Shop. You can find the link on our page at historydweebs.org. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to a podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. Today we're gonna the title of our podcast today is Sharks and Shenanigans, the Death of Jimmy Smith. It's a very entertaining story written by our good friend Shelley. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before we do, let me remind everyone that we are a adult comedy podcast and at times we use adult language. So if that offends you, what should they do, Colonel? You should not let the door hit your prude fucking ass on the way out. You know what you should do? You should do like my goddamn relatives and not even come here in the goddamn first place. (laughs) Or... Old man screaming at the clouds. Or, <laughs> or you can check out one of the other fine podcasts out there, like Already Gone with our good friend, Nita Instead. Um, so, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, amazingly, Colonel, there's podcasts out there which doesn't, which, where they don't use foul language. They don't, they don't go blue on the podcast, Timmy. You know, they don't usually have brandy on the podcast, though. That's yeah. Well, that's true. They don't have to. They don't have that that albatross around that neck. Um, Speaking of Her Majesty, uh, Brandy uh, is unable to be with us today, but we're joined by our very own girl next door, Shelley. How are you today, Shelley? I am doing well. How are you? Shelly with the shared inbox. That's what we're going to call you from now on. Shelly with the shared inbox. <laughs> Shelly did it. Shelly. Hashtag blame Shelly. Yes. But Shelly, um, thank you for joining us again. And you brought this interesting script that I think our listeners are really going to like. It has to do with sharks. 
Everybody loves sharks, too. I mean, yeah, Everybody right. Everybody loves sharks. Yeah, like Shark Week is the most popular TV week there is. So, everybody we, loves sharks. Timmy, while we... We like Sharknado. <laughs> while Sharknado, we... Uh, hell yeah. I do want to start this episode by apologizing to our listeners, Timmy. Now, okay. we, we do put a disclaimer up that we're an adult po- comedy podcast. <clears throat> um, however, last week's episode involved something that was, uh, well, I think a lot of our men listeners felt basically traumatized. Um, a man cut off his wee-wee, Timmy. And, uh, he did. We did not put a trigger warning in there. We should have put a trigger warning that said, man chops off Pekka. Because or, all the dead women and dead sex workers and all of that that's in the past catalog, those didn't need trigger warnings. But the, this one, this one did. Correct? A man cutting off his Johnson needs a trigger warning. You yes. said it yourself last week. Now, when I... And, it's an unfortunate, you know, thing in the world that people get killed by serial killers. Okay. You know, I've learned to accept that. That's just part of the world we live in. Uh, but a man cutting off his wing. You, here's the thing. Okay. You talk about John Get Wayne Gacy, you know, hid 33 people under the, under the floorboards of his house. Ain't nobody going, oh, oh ah. See? You see the difference there, Shelly? No, I'm I, sorry again, men listeners. I'm he, sorry for not giving you a trigger. He didn't even have violence perpetrated against him, he did it to himself. So, I mean, it's still a severed penis. <laughs> okay, fair. Moving on. I mean, it, yeah, self, yeah, it was, it was, it was trauma invoking. I'm still and, traumatized. See, you don't, if you don't have a penis, you don't really. You can't really get it. And it's like oh, women say, right. oh, kick him yeah. in the balls. Ha, ha, ha. But that doesn't really You don't really, really get it. But I'm over 40. So. Well, yeah, but you got a wee. You got a wee one. You know, you don't. You haven't. You don't have a lifelong relationship with you. You know. Okay. Well. It's that. not something you talk to when things get tough. You know, somebody who comforts you through the bad times. And, you know, it's not someone not, you pet. Right. You guys remember that old song, My Dingling? It's the dog that never dies, really, Timmy. They say, My Dingling. Right, yeah, yeah. They say, My Dingling. Yep, that's right. It's often said that that dog is man's best friend. That's a lie. Your Pekka is your best friend, Timmy. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it, man lost his best friend. He made a clean break with his best friend, and it, and it does yeah, do I the majority of thinking for it. most men too. Yes, it does. Let me introduce our very own girl next door, Shelly. Girl next door. If you live next door to Pompeii, Timmy. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. You know what? I forget the listeners were talking about. Pompeii was basically a... uh, Well, look it up. Well, they ain't even going to be able to spell because there's going to be all kinds of Google searches. P-O-M-P-A-Y. And they ain't going to get that either. 
but it was it was a natural disaster. It basically wiped out a civilization, um, which is similar to having Shelly next door. Shelly, how are you today? I'm a little sad now. Well, you know, you can't pay attention. I feel, I feel, I don't know. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. But I'll get over it. I'll move forward. I'll press on. You know what, Shelly? It's not like you had a pecker cut off. So I think. (laughs) I know. Priorities. Like, I've got That's that's the bar we're setting, right? Like, is this Mm -hmm. worse than having a pecker cut off? Then, Then no. So Pompeii is definitely not worse. Okay, I should have been more specific. If you live next to Mount Vesuvius, not Mm. Mount Vesuvius, because that's what actually erupted. Depends on what I eat. That could be relevant. (laughs) 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 Shelly, the classy girl next door. That's gastrointestinal humor. Yeah, I love it. Let me introduce a man who needs no introduction. He is our uh, producer, Matt Thad, the producer. How are you today, Thad? Hey, Tim. Um, hey, I'm, I'm I'm doing well. I'm hanging in there. Um, last night, my wife and I went to see Girl from North Country that was doing their national tour in Cincinnati, and uh, it was a really good show. Um, it was the music of Bob Dylan. Um, kind of a depressing story from the, the 30s in Duluth, Minnesota. But um, all in all, it was it was a good time. And then um, you know, tonight I, we're going I, to I, I, go ahead. I'm I sorry. I think Duluth Minnesota is pretty always depressing. I would think. Were you, I, Colonel? I would say, Timmy. One thing I would say we got into last week uh, speaking in tongues, and I yeah. believe I could just do a two hour show Broadway show on Bob Dylan. Just going through, because you can't, uh, even in his best times, you could barely understand a word the man was saying. It was like he was talking in tongues. So, but yeah, Duluth, Minnesota in 1930, Timmy, I would think that that would be a depressing aspiration. You've been to Duluth, haven't you, girl? I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. She only lives that way. I know. I've not been to Duluth. No. No. I've I've ordered from well, the Duluth Trading Company. That's as close as I've gotten. But um, but then tonight, this evening, it's after so we finish this podcast, uh, Lore is doing a live show in Cincinnati. So we're oh, gonna cool. go. We're gonna go see that. Um, that's one of my wife's favorite podcasts. Um, after this one, of course. And uh, oh yeah, of course. Um, but we're going to go see that. She's all excited, and um, <clears throat> yeah, things are things are going great. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm glad, Dad, and you're doing such a great job with the uh, with the uh, show, producing it. And I understand we will be giving shout outs to our Patreon supporters later. We will. Show. Yep. At, at the end of the show, we're going to do some Patreon shout outs, and and that's also really good. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to. We're kind of retooling our Patreon a little bit. So if you are currently a patron of our Patreon, um, I put up some exclusive content yesterday that is on there. Um, A a quick little story. We're going to start doing some more of those exclusive content things for our Patreon patrons and uh, more to come on that. So, So stay tuned. Let me introduce now our, um, 
well, a man who is known throughout the country as an oasis in the desert of despair. He's someone we turn to in these troubled times. 2024 is looking to be a very, very difficult year with wars in Europe, wars in the Middle East, an election year in which everyone hates each other. But we do have a man that we all turn to for solace in these very difficult times. He's a best-selling author. Uh, we understand his uh, book is now a uh, is now going to be made into a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, How love to a woman. The very honorable, the Reverend Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawk Walters III, affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm I'm very good, Timmy. It's uh we're we're trying to get somebody to do the soundtrack. Obviously, that's an important part for a musical. Um, I'm still looking for an assistant, a research assistant, Timmy. So um, now, have you, you know, did you I understand you choreographed the musical yourself? I did choreograph it. Um, I thought that was really the most important part. I did have a body double for some scenes. Um, I see. That, well, I mean, you know, there was some things I learned in my 20s that, you know, I just, I'm not Tom Cruise, goddammit. I ain't going to try to hurt myself for, you know. Right. And, and it was really hard to find a body double for me, Timmy, because. Uh, There's only the first, one you. Well, the first four people that came in. They uh, look like they could also audition for the part of Santa Claus and other things. And I was like, no, they don't look like me at all. And the producer was like, yeah, they do. And I was a little sad about that, Timmy. So, um, and I have to say to me, the oasis in the desert of despair, everything that's going on in the world, Timmy, is starting to break me. It's just starting to break me, and I don't know how to uh, how to pull out of this other than uh, what's 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 your troubles? Because you know, Colonel, we always look to you in these difficult times, and you know, no one ever thinks, well, what does a Colonel need? Well, you know, Timmy, they say heavy is the crown, right? And right, we have all this shit going on, and people people come to me for answers and i'm just at the point where i say fuck i don't know you know maybe if we just launched all the nukes at one time that would solve it you know (laughs) not the most optimistic view um not what used to people are used to hearing but i will say this timmy i always say as long as you got your pecker you got something yeah, that's hold on to your pecker, Timmy. Well, that was inspiring. Your um, pecker is like faith. Some people have faith, but if you hold on to your pecker, you'll be okay. Hold oh. mine right now, Timmy. <laughs> well, I think that was so inspirational. We need to. We need to all order our colonel for president yard signs 
now that everyone's going to be putting up their yard signs. So that Colonel for president. Hashtag launch the nukes. A pecker in every hand. You know, a pecker in every hand, Timmy. How's that? A pecker in every hand. Well, you know, I was supporting Matthew Perry in 2024, and I guess that's all. Oh. oh, that's too soon, guys. That's fucked, Way man. too soon. Let, let, me, let me tell you this real quick. So it was intermission at Girlfriend North Country last night. And I'm walking yeah. back from the bathroom and the woman behind me who's sitting behind us is, I mean, weeping. And I see Melissa's like head frantically going back and forth. She doesn't see me. She's looking for me. And I had left my phone in the truck accidentally. And she's like, oh, my God, the one night that you don't have your phone on you. So she shoves her phone on my face. And I see that Matthew Perry died. And I turned around. And the woman's like, Matthew Perry died. Like, that's what she was crying about. Yeah, but, but that's uh, sad, man. It, it really is sad. You know, I think. The thing that makes this so sad to me is that he fought so hard to live a quality life. Like he kept trying, you know, he kept getting knocked down and was fighting the beast of addiction over and over and over. He kept getting up and he kept fighting it. And um, I think that's just what makes it so sad is that he yeah. fought so hard to live. And it, I also, this is a very small thing in retrospect to losing one's life, but I kind of feel bad for Keith Morrison because he had it, you know, Matthew Perry is Keith Morrison's stepson. I don't know if you guys know that, hmm. but know that. Morrison from Dateline is like one of my favorite humans ever. And um, his, he had a podcast drop this weekend where he's reading because Keith Morrison's voice is, you know, like constant comment tea with honey in it. Um, he was going to read Sleepy Hollow, but turn it into like a podcast. Um, it's it's like a podcast version of it. So it's week to week kind of telling um a retelling of, of Sleepy Hollow and that was just being dropped. So he was about to do a little bit of media for it and stuff like that. And then had his stepson die. And then I was also, which he'd raised Matthew from the time he was a little boy. And um, the other thing I saw that was really sad this morning is media paparazzi tried to take pictures. Well, they did take pictures of Keith and Matthew's mother and his father while they were going to the house right after they heard that he died. And it just seems like, you know, Come on, man! Like, don't don't take pictures of the parents when they're when they've just found out their son died. That just that was just gross to me. And 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 I agree with you with that. But you know what? If people didn't fucking buy that shit, I know, then there wouldn't be an audience for it. It's just like, like I remember when Princess Diana died, and there was all kind of paparazzi around the accident, like taking pictures of her. And this mangle, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? But it's like, oh, well, yeah, you, you buy National Enquirer, Star Magazine, or whatever. She was still alive. She was still alive. She was, was, yes. Yes, she was. She was still alive, and they're taking photos of her, and you just, that, that, that shit really just, just hurts you as a human. But you know what? I, I take solace in the fact, and I get this from the Colonel, that I have a pecker. Mm -hmm. And I just, in times like this, I just hold on to it, and, and things, things are, things are better. Colonel truly is an oasis in the you know in, in and, the, desert. And the desert probably, of despair. When I say this, I'm probably going to get a little bit of blowback, and people are going to question my wisdom on life advice. But I read an article about Matthew Perry, and it said that you know talked about his addiction and and basically the tortured life he lived. And as someone who I, you know, would not consider myself an addict in any means, uh, who has had a a unhealthy relationship with uh, both substances and alcohol, 
throughout my life. I was not tortured during those times. I felt pretty goddamn good. Now, the people around me were not that happy, but I felt pretty good. So was he really tortured or were the people around him tortured? Do you still have a, a close relationship with uh, illegal substances and alcohol? I do not. Well, I have I have been 30 yeah. years without alcohol. Um, but no, what I'm saying is when I look back on those times, I think, God, it wasn't so bad. I didn't feel tortured, although I, I don't think I took it nearly to the extent that they did. But it was it was fairly unhealthy. And uh, I mean, Matthew Perry gave interviews where he talks about seasons of friends that he has no recollection of taping. He's like, I don't remember any of this. And I, you know, them drugs are, are I mean, I have, and I don't want to get specific. I have a relative who told me that he once tried cocaine and he said, it was so wonderful. I'm just glad that I'm not rich enough to afford to be able to do it more often, you know, because well, that's that shit, what... you're right. It does make you feel good in the moment, but it can fucking wreck you. And it, it will does. eventually wreck you. And you don't want to be, you know, an alley blowing a hobo for $5 to get your <laughs> next fix. But, you know, as you said, with cocaine, there's not a greater feeling in the world. Yeah, and Percocet is, yep. Percocet is the greatest antidepressant mm. that I've ever taken. That's that's the thing that, um, you know, one of the things that tortured Matthew Perry so much is the opioid use caused him to have his, I believe it was his intestines, like blew up. Like he, he had to have very, yeah. very serious intestinal surgery and the colostomy, like the whole thing has cold. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. you know, that's what pretty happens, dangerous. What happens is with opioids, it, it's a painkiller. So it numbs you. It also numbs your digestive system. Right. So you yeah. have a lot of, you know, a lot of constipation. Oh, that stuff makes you constipated, right? I mean, that's. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's what they do. Let's also say this and let, let's just, let's just be responsible for just a second. We don't know that drug use had anything to do. Well, with, I don't think it had anything death. to do with it. I think, right. They, no, I just want to make sure that we're not insinuating that. Drug oh, yeah, use had anything to do with his death. I mean, I think it was just, he just had a heart attack. In a, yeah, yeah. They what? said that they were called that he, maybe he called, they would said, cause he was alone that they were called for a cardiac event. Mm, um, okay. And he was in the hot tub and, you know, it just, it got the best of him. But when I read that and I read tortured and I thought, you know, the times that I would, uh, that I would, you know, drink enough that you didn't have real rec clear recollection. Um, those weren't terrible times, you know, for me, although I bounced back to a normal life come, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. I think the lesson to learn there is that owning how good it feels kind of like on the flip side of that is that that's not a real that's not what true good life feels like. And, and that eventually comes back to you. So, yeah, I mean, well, it's I'm not, I'm not endorsing it. I'm not condoning it. I'm, oh, just, I'm just saying trying to make it more palatable. <laughs> I'm just saying that it, when they say he was tortured, you know, during this time, yeah. I, no, he probably felt pretty goddamn good. I think the tor I think the torture comes from wanting to stop and not being able to. Right. I think I, I honestly think that because recovery is a bitch, addiction's a bitch, 
you know, and especially recovery is, you know, it, it takes many, many times, you know, sometimes and people spend their lives trying to recover from their addiction and it unfortunately ultimately doesn't work, but, um, and also what it does to the people around you. I mean, there was yeah, an article 100%. where he was in a lot of short-term relationships and he was basically like, you know, I hurt all of those people over and over again. So even if he wasn't, I mean, he clearly was tortured, but you know, it was. No, crazy. that's what I mean. It absolutely tortures the people around you. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that was. Well, he he starred in a movie with uh, Selma Hayek. So I'm still kind of pissed at him. Yeah, and well, you know what? And I love that movie. He's Goldfish not gonna be. He's mm-hmm. not gonna be there for me. Oh my God, Chuck! Okay, now it's time to get to the scripts. <laughs> well, I mean, that is a promise. I feel like that was a vow. I'll be there for you. It's like Rick Astley. You know, Rick Astley's never gonna let me down. But if he does, I'm has Rick Astley ever let you down though, Chuck? He has. Has he? Has he? he? Has. Okay. He did. I'm sorry to hear that. He did. Rick Astley was the one person. A few people in the world have let me down. Um, and although I gave him up, you know, once he let me down, he didn't give me up. Uh, but let's get I on with the Rick Astley. I think of Billy Squire. When I think of Billy Squire, I think of that song where he did that ruined his career. Oh yeah, music video. Yeah, where he was. Where he was crawling around night. like a creeper in the bedroom. And he had his pink, these pink pants on. Yeah. Yeah. His girlfriend told him not to make that video, that it would ruin she his did. career. And he went you know that son of bitches made more money, though, Timmy. Oh, yeah. Than, he's a, he's a, million, he a millionaire. The title is Sharks and Shenanigans, The Death of Jimmy Smith. Wasn't he a basketball coach, Colonel Jimmy Smith? Or did, wasn't he I believe on, he was an actor, too. I, I, yeah, oh, he, was you on, know, uh, he was on the West Wing. Yeah, There's, he was. He was uh, Santos, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think but he, uh, he Law, also L.A. Law. Like, uh, yeah, L.A. Law. I was thinking uh, Miami Vice, but that was probably too before his time. The shark arm <laughs> murder is one of Sydney's most famous crimes. And crime was rampant in Sydney in the 1930s, just as it was in many parts of the world, including the United States. What everyone else was not expecting was an uptick in shark attacks. See, Colonel, you get the sharks pissed off, then you've done something. Well, we were setting a bad example for sharks is what we were doing, Timmy. We're going around the streets, you know, running wild, killing each other. And the sharks are like, huh, okay, this is how we're supposed to behave. This is why you can't trust artificial intelligence, Timmy, because it's going to behave like we do. And the sharks, they were picking up that vibe just like that artificial intelligence does. And they started just saying, you know what? Okay, this is how we're supposed to act. You can't blame the sharks, Timmy. It was our fault. So these shark attacks... um, when, you know, they were more and more shark attacks in Sydney. There had been three area shark attacks in 1935, and that was unusual. So the community was reeling, Colonel. Excited journalists, eager for a shocking headline, stoked the flames of shark mania. 
So you got some probably some yellow journalism going on there. A little bit. But yeah, because three, three, you know, I don't know if you can really get yourself worked up over three shark attacks, Timmy. At the height of the excitement. Well, I mean, if you're one of the people who got attacked, I think it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. Occurrence in that particular area a lot. But, you know. I mean, it is Australia, where every animal on the continent is there to try to kill you. So it can't be that unexpected. That's right. So at the height of the excitement, a a 14-foot tiger shark was caught off the Kogi Beach in Sydney by a local fisherman after getting tangled in the line while eating a smaller shark. <laughs> see, they're eating their own, Colonel. They are. That's they're turning their shark cannibalism, Timmy. You know what? I got a question about that, Timmy. Yeah. Who do you think would win in a fight between a tiger shark and a lion shark, Timmy? Man, I don't know. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Just something for our shark. questions. Or a lone shark, Colonel. Yeah. They're pretty mean. Hammerhead beat all of them, maybe. Hammerheads are just stubborn. <laughs> you know what I remember when I was a kid? They had these fruit bites called shark bites. And yeah. they were they were so good. I was so mad when they got rid of those. Maybe they can get them to bring them back. Well, anyway, uh, the fisherman and his son hauled the fish to shore and brought it to Kogi Aquarium, Kogi Aquarium and swimming baths for exhibition. So kind of like they do here at the Newport on the levee, Colonel. Except we don't have any Swedish Turkish baths in there, Timmy. We do not. (laughs) (laughs) It is Newport. I'm sure there's one somewhere. Business had been lagging. At the aquarium, no, but you can like walk right across the sharks, it's pretty cool, and they yeah. swim over your head too. Uh, but the business had been uh, uh, lagging at the aquarium, and it was hoping to capitalize on the community's fear and fascination with sharks. I mean, that's a good marketing plan, really. It is if plan you got sharks and you say this, this will eat you, and you know, I mean, if you're the, if, like, say you're the owner of this place. Mm-hmm. Do you think he might have been going along the beach early in the morning and chumming it, Timmy? Just he hoping may. that, you know, somebody gets attacked? Could very well be. Okay. So anyway, the plan worked. The new aquarium attraction was a hit. Then after a few days of seemingly adjusting to its new surroundings, the shark suddenly became irritable. And you see, you don't want to piss off a chart. And no. began behaving erratically, Colonel. But, but an irritable shark, Timmy. Have you ever met a friendly, good-natured shark, Timmy? No, they're porpoises, I think, Colonel. Basically. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, those are sharks without the big shark teeth. It reminds me, we need to do this story on that woman that used to masturbate the dolphin. Yeah. There's this one. Yeah. She was a scientist and uh, she became involved with emotionally. A, well, yeah, sexually 
involved with a dolphin. And um, the dolphin actually killed himself after she broke it off. It's a sad story. We'll have to do that. (laughs) But, you know, you you got someone rubbing you off basically every day. I'm so proud. It's like ice cream. You you get used to ice cream every day. And then someone takes the ice cream away. So, well, this was a this was a pretty well-known dolphin, Timmy. And, you know, he got to the point where, you know what? No, I'm not jumping up through that goddamn fiery hoop for a little tiny piece of salmon. Somebody <laughs> going to have to wank me off here. So so the aquarium has the, the shark now. It's happy. But then it becomes irritable and begins behaving erratically. It rammed the walls of the pool before sinking to the bottom and swimming in lazy circles. When something is wrong with a shark, they will puff themselves up. Oh, like my cat does. And point <laughs> pectoral fins downward. This shark, this shark started doing just that. So he's pissed off. Then with everyone watching, the shark began to vomit. Nothing worse than a vomiting shark. Right, right. Enormous amounts of vomit. Tiger sharks are considered the garbage men of the sea. Well, I don't know if I want that embroiled on my sweater. So they're not the chicken of the sea. No, the garbage men of the sea. Ask any mermaid you happen to see. What's the best garbage man? The tiger shark of the sea. <laughs> will eat anything and are notorious for regurgitating the entire contents of their stomach. Well, what the fuck's going on with their... Digestive? I did not know there was a bulimic problem amongst exactly. tiger sharks. Mm-hmm. Apparently there is. That sounds they, like something that needs an awareness. Well, he was trying to yeah, keep his figure. That really does maybe, need an awareness. That yeah, we're aware of what color ribbon should we have for that? There you go. That's that's important. Gray, I think gray. Gray, okay, fair. Gray's you, a good color. Do you think sharks have body dys- dysmorphia, Timmy? The shark was just oh, thinking, you know what? I need to lose a little bit of weight. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. Heck, do they see themselves in the mirror? <laughs> so do, do they? Do they stick like a fin down their down their throat? Is that how they do it? Could happen. I, I mean, I guess. It, but anyway, Drink a, a little Herald reporter who was there to cover the new exhibit wrote copious brown froth, which smelled really foul, first <laughs> from the shark's mouth, and it then threw up two rats, a bird, and a human arm. Okay, Timmy, oh, first I mean, the. There's, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I'm going to drink some of my brown. First of all, have you ever been in the vicinity of any animal or human who has vomited up copious amounts of anything and you've thought, that smells pretty good. Of course it smelled really fast. I mean, have you ever been like, you know what? I don't here. I don't want to put this air freshener, this Glade plug-in in the wall. Logan, could you just come over here and vomit on the floor? No. And I haven't seen any air freshener labeled 
shark vomit. Right, right. Shark vomit, like air freshener. That's usually not a thing. So good point. Shark so vomit air fresheners. What, available uh, now. What I want to know. <laughs> Merch. Merch. <laughs> of all the things, Timmy, that this thing yeah. threw up, the human arm makes the most sense to me. Yeah, what like where kind do you of get around? To dive in you know, there's a lot thing? of you know, there's a lot of um human remains in the ocean. More than remember we did that story on the feet that kept showing up. <laughs> we did that in one. Canada. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's a lot of human remains out there in the ocean. We just you know, we just don't know about it because we don't see them that often. I'm curious. I get that. The arm I understand because as humans. But was this motherfucker walking alleys at night catching rats? Well, I'm kind of curious about the bird. Was the bird already dead or did the shark like jump up and get it? <laughs> yeah, because you don't usually see a bird. bird in the ocean, do you? I mean, I mean, they're usually the next to. Well, but I think Shelly's yeah. right. If it if, if it's going to die, it's just going to fall into the ocean, right? So that makes sense. Well, right. Possibly, sense. but of all the things, what I'm saying is, of all the things, the most logical thing for a tiger shark to throw. I but think if I saw that, I'd be like, the "Where the fuck these rats come from?" Yeah, yeah. I don't know, That's man. Picturing a shark seizing a bird in its mouth, like that seems pretty epic to me. Just. Imagining a shark like it's a shark. I see more or, or catch you know, a bird. Also, it there, says a bird. You know what? what a pelican. That would be a sight to behold. A pelican being vomited up. That would that'd be something. The pool because they had this human arm, police were called in to retrieve it, which they did. And to their surprise, they discovered the arm had been severed by a knife rather than a shark. <laughs> Well, I mean, it makes sense if a shark is eating your arm. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Colonel, it's kind of like some of the dates that we went on earlier in our life. And, and you you go to a bar and it's late and you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you might not take a 10 home, but you maybe take five twos or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and you wake up and you got one of these young ladies on your arm. And you just you know, you take the knife out, right? You don't, you don't want to risk waking her up, so you take the knife out and you sever your arm. I'm sure that's what happened in this case. <laughs> yeah, and he left it behind, and they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they so just they tossed it in the shit. ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that is the origin of the term coyote ugly. Exactly. Yeah. An investigation ensued. An examination of the arms showed a tattoo on the inside forearm of two people boxing along a bit rope attached to the wrist. Okay, so that's... Colonel, you have a lot of tattoos, but I don't think you have that one. I don't ha- I know, but I'm thinking about it. Curious that. About so it, I have yeah. a question, everybody. If you were going to have a celebrity's face tattooed on your body, who would it be? That oh. would Clarkson. Who played the guy that was, uh, um, I would say Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. Okay. The bald Marlon Brando. <laughs> there you go. Timmy, do you know? Um, I would say um, Nancy Walker. Okay. There you go. Pad. Ooh, that's a tough one. 
I, I, I think it, I think it depends on what part of my life we're talking about here. I think, I think 12 year old sad would want Darth Vader's face. I think 44 year old sad. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. I'm guessing yours. I'm going to guess yours. David Schremer. <laughs> no, no. Mine would be Norm McDonald as Turd Ferguson. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That would be classic. That's I absolutely love, 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 love Norm McDonald. Turd Ferguson, choose a category. The rapist. I saw a That's TikTok. Therapist. I, I saw a TikTok the other day when he was talking about. Um, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. The crocodile yes. hunter. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said someone came to tell him and he said, you never guess what happened. The crocodile hunter died. Oh, Fred's <laughs> going to be pissed. <laughs> and he said, you know, that's not, you know, no matter what you think, that's not really surprising. To him. He had a pretty good run. <laughs> I love the fact that Norm Macdonald like exposed people's biases and people didn't even get it. Like he was just he was um he was really highbrow kind of humor. No. <laughs> I mean, he could be actually he could be quite the philosopher listening to his interviews and stuff, especially with Larry King. He was a, a really deep thinker, but um he just a lot of his humor that people are the most offended by was to make a point, like to make a clearer point. And um, like he would always joke about how terrible women comics were, but he actually really, 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 really loved um, Sarah. He wrote he wrote for Roseanne at the very beginning of Roseanne's career and kind of helped um, like her star rise at the time that Roseanne came on. And then Sarah Silverman, he loved Sarah oh, Silverman. Sarah In fact, yeah. his book based on a true story, which is his quote unquote memoir, but it's not, it's based on a true story <laughs> and it's written like Russian literature. It's all about Sarah Silverman. So, I mean, he's very different than like the jokes he put out there. So it's just, Yeah. <laughs> And I think he was different too. That's why he stood out. I mean, his delivery was different. You know, he he wasn't he didn't follow the same formulaic way of telling a joke or doing stand up that everyone else did. Yeah. Whenever I'm sad, I do a deep dive and just watch Norm because he never fails to to make me laugh. So I think his greatest, his greatest bit to me ever was he was on the Conan show and he was talking about uh his wife being in a coma. And his wife was in a coma and the doctor said, you know, there's only, I mean, there's something we could try. We've tried everything. There's, there's one thing that's worked every once in a while in the past. And he said, well, you know, doc, I love my wife. I'll do anything. Tell me what to do. And he said, well, sometimes oral sex will work. And he said, well, by God, I love my wife. It sounds unusual, but you know what? If you're saying there's a chance, I'll do it. And he said, and I came out five five minutes later and said, Doc, she just keeps choking. <laughs> right. So anyway, the uh, police are examining this arm. They see this uh, tattoo of two people boxing along a, a bit rope attached to the wrist. Police, hoping for a quick identification, enlisted a local tabloid newspaper, Sydney's Truth, 
to print a description of the picture of a tattoo. Why wouldn't you just go to like the tattoo parlors? Um, the police also decided to use a technology, technology fairly new at this time, fingerprint identification. We didn't have any fingers. Fingerprint identification had just been introduced in uh, New South Wales in 1903. So I guess his arm is intact, right, with the hand. That was, right. That was <laughs> yeah. So in many parts of Australia, they were unaware of the forensic possibilities involving fingerprinting. Um, forensic science was just becoming a thing, and journalists couldn't get enough of it and the sensational headlines it produced. Because right, it okay. seemed just mind-blowing at the time, you know. Right. I feel like saying uh, mind-blowing is always you know, what was it? What was the thing they did before where they measured your head and shit? Um, and that was, was called phrenology. Yes. The, yeah. Which was bullshit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually first, think there's some interesting stuff with that because of the opiate, the, you know, the, the crazy like cocaine laced medicines that people took. I think uh -huh. just like, um, I mean, I, I don't think there was anything to phrenology. Don't get me wrong, but I do think it's interesting because, you know, like there are physical characteristics that go with um, if a fetal alcohol syndrome exposure, there are certain physical characteristics. So I can't help but wonder if there weren't some physical characteristics that were happening with children that were oh, yeah, born. That makes sense. Okay. But, I mean, that's going to be a rare case. Right? I mean, it's not. But like impulse control and stuff. I've just always thought that that was kind of an interesting thing to look yeah. at. Okay. Moving on. But I mean, they really use that technology. I mean, they use that technology right, to actually. Right. Well, it was a racist <laughs> thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, let's go back to the story. At first, oh, the only prints kept on, you know what else they used? Interesting enough, they used typewriters. But you know, like fingerprints, typewriters have their own pattern, I guess. And they're all unique. And police departments would keep uh, samples of typewriters. Well, you, you know, know so do printers, Timmy. Printers have their own yeah. unique. Yeah, I mean, yeah, later on, printers, but you know, like in the 30s, it was typewriters. Anyway, I don't know why it's important, but I just anyway. It's uh, kind of like I first, said last week about breasts, Timmy. There's a, yeah, all, no two are alike. No, all, no, no two are alike, Timmy. Like snowflakes. Only all, you know, better. all different, all perfect. Yeah. Until they hit your knees. Then uh then you gotta <laughs> drop them to eight, Timmy. Kind of like testicles. <laughs> well, that's when you use fishing line, Colonel. <laughs> At first, the only prints on kept on file were that of prisoners. Makes sense. In fact, now do they uh, do prisoners? Uh, Shelly, you might know this. If you're incarcerated, do they automatically take your DNA? Um, I don't know, but I would assume so now. I, you know, Jimmy, I don't want to get off track here, but. <laughs> of course not. Uh, I had to, you know, my car was stolen, used in a crime. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, these people who took my car, they left a bunch of McDonald's cups and everything else. So they were able to get their DNA from the car. Yeah. And then they well, wanted they me to come up. Of, didn't they have the McDonald's receipt too? They had all they kinds had like of receipts. And, and then they, they were the like video. on the video. Yeah, they had them on video and everything else. So anyway, I go up to get the stuff out of my car and they want to, you know, they want to eliminate me. Now, obviously, right. they have my fingerprints on file so they could eliminate those. But they wanted my DNA to exclude me. All right. And I asked if my DNA got put in a database, you know, for any future crimes that might happen, because I've not committed any crimes in the past. Right. right. Um, and the guy said, well, I'm not really sure what they do with your DNA. Oh, I bet you were nervous because you act weird around cops. <laughs> oh, I was I was fully expecting really, to like, be arrested. You get right? weird and edgy around police officers. It's really funny. Yes, because they arrest you and take you to jail. I mean, if, if you're you, lucky, they might shoot you. And they don't yeah, they might shoot you. But if you've ever if you've uh, ever had a policeman take you to jail more than five times. Um, you start to get peculiar around them. You just I, wait for it. I can see that. Yeah. It just makes you look even more guilty of something. My youngest son is like that. Whenever he has done something, which a lot of times he has, but he he has the guiltiest face. Even when he doesn't, he didn't do the thing. You think he did the thing because he looks so guilty. But okay, where are we at? All right. Yes. So anyway, they're doing these finger they, they, they have these fingerprints, and the tech uh, technique had been utilized another uh, on one other time, only one other time in Australia. But police were amazed to find the fingerprint had a match because at the time there were only six thousand prints on file. The owner of the prints had been picked up for illegal gambling and fingerprinted in 1932. About the same time, the police were determining the owner of the arm via the fingerprint records, a man came forward after seeing the article posted in a newspaper stating that the tattoo was that of his brother, James, also known as Jimmy Smith, who had been missing for about three weeks. Well, we've got his arm now. Now we got to find the rest of him. Jimmy Smith was 45 years old. He was an England England born part-time boxer who could never quit quite make it professionally in the sport. The paper regaled the public with stories of how Jimmy was always right on the edge of his big break. Yeah, uh, you know, like I'm certain Colonel losing his arm is probably going to damper his career. <laughs> I would think. So anyway, uh, so back to the boxer, Jimmy Smith. Uh, the paper who wrote, wrote these stories about him also took care to refute any possibility of suicide, emphasizing it took little to convince the police that he was not the sort of man who would end his life by suicide. This quote led interested readers to the conclusion it must have been 
a murder. 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 The uh, paper covering the story, the Sydney Truth, was known as a scandal sheet, a paper, a paper known for its yellow journalism and sensational crime stories. The 1920s had brought about the organized crime the razor wars. I'm sorry? Um, I There was a, an error in there. Um, the 1920s, one of the big things that was hitting the papers was the razor wars there in Australia. Um, and, as, and those stories were just starting to die down. So they were looking for something extra. Another big story, yeah. There's this time of William Randolph Hearst and all the muckraking. Mm -hmm. The paper seized upon this case like seagulls to a beachgoer's lunch. I like that, Shelly. I might have that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> I'm from after, Florida, so I'm very familiar with what that looks like. <laughs> after the shark arm was identified as Jimmy Smith, investigators began to trace Smith's final movements. They heard from Jimmy's wife that he had been asked to go on a fishing trip a couple of days prior to his disappearance. Okay, this sounds like a Sopranos episode right now. <laughs> Investigators then found that Smith had last been seen playing cards at a local hotel, the Cecil. Is that the name of the hotel in L.A.? All that weird shit happens. Like... Uh, that girl that went in the elevator. What was her name, Shelly? You probably know her. I, I don't. I know what you're the talking Cecil about. Hotel, the Asian girl that disappeared. They found in a water tower. Hmm. Oh, my God. Now I'm going to have to look that up. Is this the hotel that Dad, you can check out but can never leave? Well, Richard yeah, Ramirez stayed at the Hotel Cecil for a while. Who? Demi. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The uh, Richard Ramirez, who was the Night Stalker, he he stayed there a while too. Is that West? But, no, is that that's not West Sid and Nancy, did it? Um, no, no, that was in New York. That was another creepy hotel in New York. But this was uh, this was the one where the young Asian girl back in the two thousands. Uh, they had video of her on the elevator where she was looked like she was running from someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they found her body on top of the hotel in a water tank. Apparently, people were complaining. Yeah, about this was recent. Odor. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, Lamb, Elisa Lamb. That's the that's the young lady's name, Elisa Lamb. Um, we never. I don't think we ever covered that story, but it's, it's creepy. But anyway, that hotel was named Cecil. Anyway, but anyway. This is a different Cecil Hotel. This guy went with his longtime buddy, Pat Brady, who I'm sure was Irish. <laughs> this turned in, this turned their, the police attention to Brady. They discovered that Pat Brady had rented a small waterside cottage right about the same time that Smith went missing. The cottage was called Cored Joy. Cored Joy. I think it's cord. Cord like pouring an apple. I'm not really sure. It's a weird name. Ooh, like am umbilical cord. Yeah. And the property owner was a man named Percival Forbes. That's a name, That's isn't a it? Nice. Percival. 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 Percival.
I just got a text from Danny. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think she got my little sanctuary bug down here, but she uh, told me that the Elizabeth Short uh, of the Black Dahlia fame stayed at the Hotel Cecil. Oh, yeah. I knew there was a lot of creepy stuff going on there. I think you can yeah. still stay there. I think, I think it's like, I think it's still open. Richard anyway, Ramirez paid $14 a night, Timmy. Yeah, that's outrageous. Yeah, it's on Skid Row, <laughs> I think. The hotel's on Skid Row. The cottage, uh, anyway, back to the story. Upon uh, questioning Forbes, police learned that a trunk, blanket, and mattress had been replaced by new ones, and the walls <laughs> had been freshly cleaned, and a few rugs were missing. That's not suspicious so, at all. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a every suspicious. person, right? Every person who rents a cottage does that. They just mm -hmm. renovate the cottage. Totally normal. Anytime a rug disappears <laughs> and it's not done with wax, it's suspicious to me. Police also okay. Discovered think about that one for a minute. <laughs> that you got that one. You got to think about. It. That's it. Okay. Police also discovered that during the time in question, Brady borrowed a local fisherman's boat and returned it without rope or anchor. Hmm. That's curious. Hmm. This discovery led detectives to dredge the area near this house, Corridoy, Corridoy, hoping to find human remains, but at last they found nothing. Just as the police moved forward with an investigation, the case zigzagged when Jimmy Smith's son received a letter to be from his father, reading in part, son, keep your mother quiet. I'm in a jam. Call the cops off. Now, I'm not That's... believing that. He sent that in a letter? <laughs> doesn't that, seem, yeah, doesn't but he seem like right there was a real sense of urgency to that. Keep your mother do we, quiet. Do we know if it was a left arm or a right arm, Shelly? Mm, I don't actually know. I should, but I don't. Because if he wrote with his right arm and his right arm has been cut off, that would That's be... That's an excellent point. point. Excellent point, Timmy. Upon examination, the letter was found to be a forgery. And perhaps not so surprisingly, police just happened to have a <laughs> forger in custody. The implication were obvious. Investigators were sure they were about to close the case of yet another when yet another lead presented itself. While interviewing the cab drivers who transported Pat Brady during the, his fishing expedition, they found that one of Brady's last trips was to visit a well-known pillar of the community, Reginald Holmes. Yes. About that, Colonel. That sounds like Reginald Holmes. That sounds Reginald like a Holmes. distinguished name. It does. I like Percival better, but for a for a uh, porn name, I like Reginald Holmes better. Percival <laughs> just doesn't get it. I mean, you know, you don't. I wonder if Percival, Percival doesn't think when you say Percival, you're not talking about a guy with a big wang, are you? You're Colonel? not. No, not Percy. Yeah. No, there's no yeah. Percys that are. Reginald, Reginald, yeah. Reginald's All right, strong. I'm sorry. Nope, it's okay. So Reginald Holmes, 
not surprisingly with that name, hailed from a well-known and well-respected family. In fact, members of the Holmes family were known for their boat building in England and in the United States from the 1700s on. Reginald's grandfather, William, had been very, very successful. He and his two brothers built the area's first paddle steamer ferry boat and ran the first ferry company. After their first business attempt ended in bankruptcy in 1867, they revamped and they tried again. Their next venture, the North Shore Steam Ferry Company, was incredibly successful. So successful that the brothers built a private hotel for ferry passengers called the Flagstaff. It was a luxury resort designed for the elites. It even had a private beach. Ooh, do you think it was a nude beach? What do you guys think? In my mind, it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Every, With every buxom beach Australian beach women. Oh, every, uh-huh. every beach is a nude beach when I show up. Goddamn <laughs> <laughs> right, they will be. Make just, make sure, just make sure you bring suntan lotion. Sunscreen SPF 185. No, no, you do not want to sunburn your pecker. Don't want a burnt hot dog. So, Williams, William Holmes's son, and his namesake followed in his father's footsteps. First, he established a successful boat building workshop in Lavender Bay, and there he found even more success than his father. He started to build luxury yachts and earned the title of first boat builder in Sydney to build speedboats. This is Reginald. And not only did he build them, he raced them, and most of the time, he won. Oh, I'm sorry. This was talking about Reginald's father. Then along came, then came the oldest son, Reginald, to try his hand at the family business. Reginald, I just, I can picture the inappropriately short shorts, you know, like (laughs) that's, I can, I can see it. Okay. You see a little bit of scrotum hanging out at the bottom of it. Why are you picturing inappropriate? I'm pretty sure that Dad, the Colonel, myself, we never thought of that, did we? Well, no, I'm just thinking like in the. I, I'm, I know that this was a long, long time ago, but I'm thinking about like 1980s yuppie with the, with the like kind of short shorts yeah. that would show white thigh and then like the polo shirt. sunglasses. Yeah. Just you know what I would really yeah. like hmm. if, if, if it were possible? I don't know if you see a therapist, but you should show. Um, Thanks for the advice, Colonel. I appreciate is, it. To be there when you they give you the Rorschach test. Because, Timmy, I will tell you, I have been places yeah. with Shelly. The, the, the first place, the first DweebCon we had, Shelly decides this is kind of a sad story. It has a sad ending. I have no idea what you're about to say, and I'm a little nervous. Um, the first DweebCon we had, we're at a restaurant, right? We're, we're all eating. And she's like, do you think we could just disappear for 20 minutes and nobody notice? And I'm like, I imagine we could. I don't know. And she said, because I have to get a curling iron. Oh, yeah. That's what like, you're talking about. The fuck are you? A curling iron. And and it's the we went to the Walgreens that they were closing. Oh, um, so sad. Yeah, it is very, very sad. But I noticed that when you take Shelly downtown around tall buildings or around anything really that, you know, everything looks phallic to Shelly. 
So, of course, she's going to think of the short shorts. Right. But I mean, I just found it interesting that you're the only one that thought of that. That's all. Yeah, I, I just I was said. I was talking about the yuppie, kind of gross yuppie shorts. That's that's what I was thinking about. So, well, okay. so breaking so news. nothing to do with the guys. Girls think about penis. Yeah, I was thinking, well, no, I no. as we were. Now you could see the crew tower, and I said that's the that's the tallest building in Cincinnati, and she said it looks like a big penis. I I didn't. And say I was like, that. I you did say it. I don't remember saying that at all. I don't think I would say something like that. And I um, thought that's quite strange. Does, does the does the crew tower look like an uncircumcised penis? <laughs> yeah. I feel like it does. It definitely looks European in design. European. Oh, oh, okay. So, um, Reginald is trying his hand at the family business. He also specialized in speedboats in Lavender Bay and he benefited greatly from the respect and reputation his father and grandfather built within the community. But Reginald, he was not the man that his father and grandfather was. Yeah, no. he never was. Yeah, never, never. No, you never can be. Reginald yeah. was. Reginald was not satisfied with a good, clean, successful business. He wanted more. You know, when, one time somebody said to me, you will never be the man your father or grandfather were. And I said, yes, someday I will be because I'll be dead too. <laughs> Boy, girl. I got the burn on them. Uh, after Prohibition... <laughs> The sale of cocaine became a lucrative business. Reginald partnered up with Holmes and he seized, or he, not with Holmes, with Brady, and he seized the opportunity to get into the trade. Reginald used some of his speedboats for special night runs to pick up packages along the coast that were dropped by larger ships. These packages, they were filled with cocaine. Ooh. And Reginald Holmes, the man that the town saw as a family guy, generous patron of the Presbyterian church and successful pillar of the community was actually a major cocaine importer and dealer in Sydney's criminal underground. Now, quick question here, Shelly. Yes. Um, you said after prohibition, the sale of cocaine became a lucrative business. Were they just scraping by before <laughs> cocaine traffickers? Were they just like, Barely eking out a living was a, you know. I don't specialize in the history of cocaine dealing, but. And you know what I've always noticed, too? People was, who are. I, mean, I imagine the price went up a great deal after, you know, it was prohibited. Oh, oh, oh. Reginald started really being successful in speed boats. Uh-huh. Okay. Get it? Get it? Yes, 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 oh. Yes. Oh, yeah. See? Speedboats. Nobody was impressed with that. I was. I was. Okay, go ahead. I don't get it. Well, I mean, I think cocaine is cocaine. Uh, oh, hold on. I was thinking of our prohibition here on alcohol. Never mind. I retract that question, Shelly. Well, I mean, anything you're going to, anytime you're going to make something illegal, the price of it's going to go up, right? So it was probably, it probably was. You know, probably yeah, was. no, I understand the supply and demand of that now. It's just when I read after prohibition, the sale oh, no, of cocaine, no. I was thinking of, you know, cocaine, prohibition yeah. over here. When they took it out of the Coke, I guess. Coke <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so um, what with the rise in illegal drugs, police began to employ more draconian tactics. Their new style of crime fighting was bolstered by the 1927 Dangerous Drug Act, which formed a drug bureau and also recommended prison sentences for dealers. And Reginald Holmes was not about that prison life. So we did the war on, they did the war on drugs long before we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Reginald decided to instead try out the wide and wonderful world of insurance fraud. So, Ooh, yeah, there you go. That's was, a lucrative thing to get into. Yeah. He felt like that was a lot safer. He wasn't going to he wasn't going to be in prison if he did that. Well, and I also don't feel like, you know, you're going to be walking down the street and get shot by another guy who works in insurance as you would if you're a drug dealer. <laughs> That's right. So. <clears throat> In 1932, Reginald and two business partners bought a luxury motor yacht, the Pathfinder. The men needed someone to be the caretaker of the boat, and Reginald remembered a guy he'd met while playing pool who was now doing some construction for him, a man named Jimmy Smith, the owner of the hand. Holmes asked Jimmy to be the caretaker of the boat and take it on a trip up the coast. Mysteriously, the Pathfinder sank. But... Jimmy Smith made it to safety. So very mysterious. The, tru the truly ironic thing about the insurance scam was that it was the only crime venture that didn't succeed. So with all the crime he did, this insurance fraud thing was the one time he got caught. Doing well, stick to what you know. That's the lesson here. Well, insurance fraud takes some, takes some smarts. I mean, anyone can sling cocaine. Right, exactly. So when Holmes filled out the paperwork, <laughs> he actually he accidentally marked the boat destroyed by suspicious means. <laughs> so, yeah, Reginald Holmes filled out his insurance paperwork to get his insurance claim, and he marked the box that said destroyed by suspicious means. So he completely hmm. sold on himself. Um, so... Holmes filled out the paperwork, accidentally marked the boat destroyed by suspicious means, so he kind of did a big oops there. The ensuing investigation resulted in no payment awarded. However, due to Reginald's last name, the case never saw a police officer's desk. Hmm. Hmm. Because Jimmy hmm. Smith had followed the Pathfinder direction so well, Holmes also used him for other unsavory work, such as cheating building suppliers and over-insuring properties that ended up lost to arson. But the insurance fraud game required expertise in forgery that Holmes nor Smith had. But someone they knew did have it. Enter master forger Patrick Brady, a longtime friend of Jimmy Smith. Although Brady hailed from an honest family with a solid work ethic like Holmes, Brady chose to forge his own path and forges what he did. Do you guys like that? Get it? Forges I love the play did. on words there. Forge his own yeah. path. It was a play on words. Yeah, yeah. That I, was a good one. But I do appreciate him needing to branch out and do his own thing, not rely on, you know, where he came from, but making his own way in life, seeking his fortune. You know, I say you stick to what you know. Well, there you go. So counterfeit documents, false check fraud, insurance swindles. If treachery needed a fake anything, Brady was the guy to provide it. With Pat Brady joining he, Jimmy I Smith. I wonder if he could provide you with a hall pass when you were in high school. <laughs> well, that would be handy. 
the important things. With Pat yeah. Brady joining Jimmy Smith and Reginald Holmes, a merry band of criminals was created. But they sound very dastardly, uh, Shelley. I think they were kind of doing some common stuff, but didn't end well. Um, all that was in the past. Smith was dead, and the investigation of Brady was leading straight to Holmes. After this but major, we, he was dead because we have his arm, but we don't know he's dead, right? That's true. That's true. Uh, um, pieces of the puzzle began to form into a whole picture. After Brady's arrest, detectives interrogated him for hours, all to no avail. Detectives then turned to Brady's anxious wife, and this tactic finally broke Brady. He began to spout like that tiger shark did, and he wrote down the details of the crimes he committed under the direction of Holmes and assisted by Smith. So he wasn't talking, and then his wife I, I was... I bet they put him in a room with a light bulb over him. I was interrogated once under a bare light bulb. Were you? By the FBI. Well, that's not surprising, Shelley, but because you do a lot of dastardly things. But, but it why? Was, it was mail fraud. I didn't. I didn't do it, but I was accused of it. So apparently, they, they very. You know, everyone says that. When you, I mean, everyone says. I was at a When you say you didn't do it, does that mean they could? Because there's a lot of things in my life I haven't done. That means the police can't prove that I did it. Mm. <laughs> so is that what we're talking here, Shell? No, no. Someone gave me concert tickets and me and a, a couple of other people were at this concert. And apparently the person who gave me the concert tickets got them out of someone else's mailbox. So I guess the FBI was having a slow day. And they were at this arena and they pulled us into a little room that had a little bare light bulb and interrogated us about the tickets. So wasn't me. Don't look at me. Like Shelly was like, don't look at me. And then we were asked to leave. <laughs> so, Did you get to go to the concert? No, I didn't really care that much about the concert anyway, but it was just, it was, it was an interesting experience. Yeah. Well, who was who was you seeing? Was you seeing Billy Squire at this concert? Who was you? Who, who was? <laughs> no, it was a it was a country concert. It was I think Montgomery Gentry and um, the people who sang the my Maria song, Brooks and Dunn, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. You should have been arrested for just wanting to go to that. Um, did I they? Do, I just did they do good cop bad cop on your show? Um, no, not really. It was just one agent. Um, but he did tell me he could talk to out side of his the, I mean, the guy I was on a date with, he did say that he had shifty eyes and I should probably get rid of him. And, well, did you? Uh, um, no, I married him. And <laughs> I'm my ex-husband. <laughs> so you, there's that. You know what? Girls, girls they, like a bad boy, so that doesn't surprise me. Did, did they take a bar of soap and put it in a sock and hit you with it? They did not. No, that was not. You, a did they offer you a can of Coke? I don't believe so. No, See, you did not. In little room. You didn't really have the full, full police interrogation. Experience. They slap you with a rubber hose. Yeah. No, none of those things happened. Did they but water bowls, you warned, if you <laughs> steal concert seats, the FBI is watching. They do care. So was there a cavity search? No, no. Were none you disappointed? Well. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, so glad I 
I chose to help with this. So, um, was it a female agent or a male agent? It was a male agent. He was not unattractive, but I still wouldn't have wanted a cavity. Well, I don't remember asking that question, but thank you for answering. What you should have done is batted your eyes, showed your little smile to the FBI agent, and got rid of the shifty eyed guy. Well, I mean, yeah. that's what he was. He was trying to encourage me to get rid of the shifty eyed guy. Okay. So do we know he was actually an FBI agent? Maybe he just thought you were cute and drug you into a room and wanted to get to know you. Yeah. That'd be a weird way to do it. Right? Did he flash like, a badge? He did. Yeah. Okay. There was somebody working with him, but they just weren't interrogating us. I just didn't realize that this was, you know, something in the FBI, but yeah, apparently mail fraud that was considered mail fraud. I just don't know how they've, I don't know. It was weird. The whole thing was weird, but so Colonel, next time you go to a concert, you see it, you chick who's attractive just tell her you were with the fbi and you want to talk to her for a few minutes it seems i just need to bring you into this room that's right yeah you know yeah. and then and then you just get out the glove and and you know you're off to the races i actually just talked to him the did you that's, a, that's an amazing yeah i worked for the fbi for a year and a half at, right when i was oh. high school i worked in dc but um how was that experience I mean, I, I wasn't an agent. I was just like a file clerk, but um, it was okay. I mean, it was all right, but it wasn't. That wasn't a lot of money. But well, they got provide us with the. They provided us with dorm rooms. Mm -hmm. It was a lot just a lot of nineteen year olds there. And I I I stayed for a year and a half, but then uh, I was down there when Reagan was shot, and when that plane went into Potomac, I was down there then. Wow. But that's pretty interesting. It was, but you know, if I'd stayed, I could have retired like a long time ago. But yeah, well, that's was, a that's a pretty quick retirement for the FBI. They give you don't have to spend yeah, that much time. You can't. There. I was a fingerprint clerk, and then the the career path for that would have been a fingerprint expert, where you could like testify in court and stuff. Back to um, Pat Brady and his confession. His interrogation lasted 15 hours, and after it was over, police decided that Reginald Holmes was the man they wanted. When Reginald received word that he was now the focus of the police investigation, he panicked. While his heart was dirty, his hands were not. He did not like his hands. He didn't like to, to, to be the one that people knew was the guy. But times, they were a changing. He took out a speedboat, in an effort to escape, police followed and a four-hour chase ensued. Looky Loos gathered on the shore to watch the sensational events unfold. Finally, Holmes, seemingly drunk, killed the boat motor and stood facing the gathering crowd, gun in hand. Police froze, nervous that a firefight was about to break out. But instead, Holmes yelled out, Jimmy Smith is dead and there is only one more left. If you leave me until tonight, I will finish him. And he lifted his weapon to his head and he pulled the trigger. The sound oh. of a shot reverberated through the crowd and Reginald Holmes fell into the water. Where? Oh, no. To the crowd's curious amazement, a few seconds later, he popped up, appearing a bit confused. <laughs> Not quite dead yet. <laughs> Feeling better, actually. What kind of a monumental fucking failure do you have to be to screw up killing yourself with a gun to your head? 
he he was very dramatic also <laughs> wow yeah um a small trail of blood was streaking down his face the bullet had just grazed his forehead so that's why you always put your gun in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you're... go ahead no, I mean that's how that's how you did. What is that uh, that politician that did that show? <laughs> he put the, yeah, gun the in guy with the, oh, the guy at the press conference. Yeah, yeah, that's why you do it. You don't because you you know you, you you if you're a little bit nervous or something, you're going to blow half your head off, and you're going to be alive. You're going to be a vegetable, right? And then you got people right. that are making twelve dollars an hour taking care of you the rest yeah, of your life, wiping your ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bud was, Dwyer was his name. Bud Dwyer, yeah. Bud Dwyer. We an episode on him. We haven't covered him yet. Oh, really? Okay, that would be a good one. That would be yeah. a good one. So there's a a guy that was at the base here, the military base here, and he was driving with a gun under his seat, not not in a case or anything like that. And I guess at a stoplight, the gun, like moved forward and he stepped on it on accident and it shot like up very wow. close very close to it was in the pelvic area mm. well yeah. you know when you say very close if it missed that hmm. that meant it had to at least hit the taint which can't be a whole lot of fun i just know that you don't want a hole in your tank <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and from the taint, it just goes straight up into your ass. So, I, it, it, he, he either not. way, there was no joy in Mudville that night. <laughs> no. There is a current weight loss drug on the market. And in the commercial, they say possible side effect is a rash on the perineum. And then at the bottom in text, it says the perineum is the area between the anus and the genitals. And I'm like, you really need to tell people that. Well, you really yeah, need to you explain. do. <clears throat> I mean, obviously but, you do, but. It's probably a medicine for like a stuffy nose. Probably, do you remember, right. remember <laughs> paint rod with this medicine? Do you remember Olestra? Yes. The, the replacement. Uh, I loved when they would I have worked the commercials there at that time. may cause stomach pain, cramp, and then they keep going on, and then they get to anal leakage. Anal leakage. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know that's what? when I'm out. I'm out right. anal leakage. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to take the chunky girl who has not shat on herself <laughs> as opposed to the skinny girl. You know what I mean? That's my choice. I mean, I, everybody likes, everybody has their own thing, but if given the choice, and I love these drugs who they start out with the, the side effects on TV, like may cause nausea, and then it just keeps getting worse until like some instances of sudden sudden death have occurred. Isn't what the medicine trying to prevent is death? And then you realize that the medicine is just for some kind of minor thing that you could live with anyway like yeah this poison ivy medicine you know it can cause a rash oh in some instances it could cause you know swelling of throat you know if you're allergic to it brain damage you know generational trauma for your next cardiac <laughs> arrest to me to yeah. me dad didn't i just make that point in less words i 
like when I said the colonel I is what we like to call loquacious. I just I just wanted to make sure that he enjoys the spoken word. I think you were regurgitating, but it was impressive. You know, it was good. The generational trauma part that that I, addition. I apologize to you, Shelley, but I I apologize because I just don't really listen when you're talking, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Well, you know, there's that. Um, but I mean, but let's be honest. Isn't anal leakage really just, you know, provided lubrication? Okay. So is it that bad? Well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's, you know, mm -hmm. abysmal is basically that, isn't it? I mean, really? That's what that causes. Basically what that does, right? So it just in truth and advertising. Okay. This will call you up, doesn't it? Basically, we're back to Pompeii then. Yeah, no, I, I didn't ship are. myself. That was anal leakage. <laughs> okay, can we can we get back to it's the a medical condition? It? Have you ever taken an Imodium AD because you had diarrhea so bad, and then you don't shit for like four days? It's like, could hey, they make man, something that just kind of is that. in the middle? That's how you get what Matt Perry had. You get your colon tore apart because you take that shit. But I guess that's he, my point. He is had this. it because of opioids. But yeah, you don't Can't you give something that just kind of maybe maybe stops it for a, like a little bit? Like that seems to just go the... The other end of the spectrum, and you don't have a bowel you know, movement. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's I, like taking two you know, teaspoons of Portland cement. It's just I, that I that'll do. Welcome, it. I, I kind of welcome the diarrhea. You know, right? <laughs> I mean, well, you feel like you're getting it at least, right? And you feel like you know something is happening down there. I'm gonna go ahead and get back to the script. I, I appreciate okay. the, the conversation on. Uh, the fecal conversation, but we're gonna we're gonna move forward. Okay. So okay. the impact of the bullet had knocked Holmes unconscious, causing him to fall from the deck into the water where he normally would have drowned. But instead, he tripped and his foot caught hold of the rope, and the rope yanked him up as soon as he hit the surf. So he hit the water. Jesus Christ, some bitch can't catch a break. So that's he popped up. Um, the cold water caused him to wake up, startled and defeated. Finally, he turned himself into the police. Although, With a migraine. <laughs> although detectives theorized that Holmes was the mastermind behind the crime, Reginald, the honorable man that he was, told the police that it was Pat Brady who killed Smith. He also alleged that Brady brought Smith's arm to Holmes, stored in a leather bag, in order to blackmail him. How are you so going to blackmail somebody with, a, with an arm? That's, I mean, play that out. Okay, go ahead and take this arm to the police and say you chopped it off for me. Think about that. Holmes went on to state that Brady took the arm and the rest of the body to an unknown area where he dumped it all into the ocean. Although Brady knew too much about the cabin where the crime was alleged to occur, there was no real evidence to dispute his confession, so prosecutors decided to again focus on Brady, using Holmes as their star witness, thus allowing him to stay at home while awaiting trial. Holmes as, at home. Yep, Holmes at home. Did as, um and and I had a, you know, I had a a mother who was a wee little thing and she had a little bit of a temper. I don't know how my childhood went or how your parents were, but did your parents ever tell you they would tear off your arm and beat you to death with it? 
because that used to be my mom's favorite. I'll tear off your goddamn arm and beat you to death with it. For any minor offense you might have in my house, you are going to get your arm ripped off and beat to death with it. My uncle used I feel to like say, I feel like a favorite you. a favorite of my dad's was I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. That's what I heard. My uncle, my uncle used to say, "I'll knock you in the middle of next week, and then I'll kick your ass for leaving." <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, so as the trial drew near, Brady started acting excessively paranoid. Friends and family stated that Holmes was afraid to walk outside to his car and he would always ask his wife to accompany him. Wow. <laughs> wow. Could you go first? <laughs> yeah. Let's see what happens. Can you imagine Could that, Tim? Like, hey, Leanne, would you? Car yeah, you go out first. Could you? <laughs> Could you start uh, this for me? Just turn the key. That's right. That's right. Be right out. Just warm it up. He would go around and mumble that he was about to get bumped off and expressed fear that Brady's gang was going to get him. Now, you know, hold on a second, though. Hold on. But but isn't that a polite thing to do, though, is let the woman go first? I think it is. Like you open the door for her. That's right. You're being chivalrous. You know, now with these, uh, you know, with these starters, remote starters, the mafia is out of business because they can't can't blow people up anymore <laughs> no. well listen to you mr big bucks with your remote starter over yeah. there god damn i got a remote starter it's called logan right in the wintertime <laughs> don't stop my goddamn car it's four degrees out i don't think that he was trying to be chivalrous i think that he was trying to use her as a human shield but you know you i'm not that shelly you yeah. would we can always you always life. think the worst of people yeah. yeah, you're. You, you know what you are. You're a negative Nancy. That's what you are, Shelley. And a chatty Kathy. Uh, wow, it just I mean, piles you up. You know, he didn't. He probably didn't love her that much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he probably he had, had a big insurance policy on her. He was trying to double indemnity if she gets blown up. So, well, yeah. he was. He was always talking about Brady's gang getting him, but he's the one who created the gang. There was no. There was no gang. He was. He was the head of the gang. So he, he was the gang of one. It was the lone wolf gang. It was his three people. Two, one was dead and one was in, in prison or in jail. So awaiting trial. As Don hey, Shelly, how, Shelly, how about you focus on the story? I mean, could you yeah. just we dial it so in? Much yeah, yeah, Shelly, that would be Jesus. a good idea. Because let me tell you, my wife has left our condo for two hours. And I thought, well, I'll have some time to myself. I'll be able to sit in my underwear and throw my socks on the floor and eat pizza. But Shelly just prattling on and prattling on. Well, blame Shelly. Please get back to the story, Shelly. Yeah. Bengals play at four o'clock, for God's sake. As Don emerged on the day of the official inquest, patrolmen spotted a car with the front door open and the headlights on. Inside, they found the deceased body of Reginald Holmes, who had been shot three times with a 32 caliber pistol. Some reports say he was hit in the chest, and others say he was, was his wife. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Although set up to look like a hit orchestrated by Brady. Um, so they think that it was set up, but police suspected otherwise. The day before his death, Holmes, this is why they thought it might be a suicide. The day before his death, 
Holmes had seen a lawyer and also withdrew the majority of the money in his account. But because his death was ruled a homicide, his wife and children received the hefty insurance payment. But the police. Yeah, that's a double indemnity. So really, this would have been a a brilliant time for the wife to have him killed, honestly, because, you know, she knew that it was going to look like it was somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of she motherfucker in the, what kind of in that motherfucker's got to shoot himself three times <laughs> with a suicide? He, no. he got a 32 caliber pistol, which I mean, is a small one. We are so, talking about the guy that that fell into the water after trying to shoot himself and drew passion. Yeah. So I mean, this some bitch. Yeah, he didn't kill anybody. This motherfucker yeah, didn't kill anybody because he suicide. can't kill himself. He shot himself three times. Well, without the star witness to implicate Pat Brady and no actual remains found other than the arm, prosecutors didn't really have a whole lot of evidence to present. There were also issues that called Brady's guilt into question. Pat Brady was not known to be a violent man, and he'd only ever been found guilty of petty crime. (laughs) Also, at being (laughs) 5'4", It was seen oh, as unlikely that Brady could subdue, subdue a boxer in prime condition. And these contradictions made for a rather quick trial. And in a day and a half, Brady walked out of the courthouse a free man. For a few seconds, until he was arrested again <laughs> on another forgery case, which he served some time for. Patrick Brady spent the rest of his life maintaining his innocence in regard to Smith's murder. He passed away a free man in 1965. No one really knows if for sure if he was guilty or not, and multiple ideas have been discussed. The most popular working theory is that Holmes planned the crime and that Brady and a couple of unknown people committed it. A few years after the trial, Pat Brady's wife stated that she'd gone to the cabin because she suspected her husband was having an affair, and she claimed that while there, she overheard a group of men laughing over a card game. No one has ever named the unknown man. Alex Castles, Australian legal historian, um, wrote a book about the case in 1995. He raised the theory that the murder likely did take place at the cottage, but that Brady had been fishing and returned to find Smith dead and never spoke about it, feeling that his life was in danger. Castles also made the suggestion that Jimmy Smith was a police informant who may have assisted Mm. in jailing the well-known and dangerous Sydney criminal, Eddie Wayman. And if you look up Eddie Wayman, he was a pretty, he was a pretty bad dude. So a lot there, one of the big theories is that he was behind Reginald being killed because he was one of the big cocaine dealers at the time. The truth is no one will probably ever know for sure who killed James Smith and the case will live in the pages of history with so many other unsolved crimes. So this is one of you those blue ball stories. This is a blue ball script. <laughs> We're not satisfied at the end. We you well, got us all worked up into a lather here about well, what really happened? I thought at this last paragraph, I was gonna learn who the true murderer was, but I'm just going away. Well blame blame Shelly. <laughs> hashtag blame Shelly. That's right. <laughs> so do you have any theories? Anybody have no satisfaction here? Do you know why that uh, Pat Brady denied it till the day he died? Why? Because there's no statute of limitations on murder. Of course, he's going to deny it. Right. I think Pat Brady. That's true. 
You think Pat Brady did it? Pat it was Brady. his friend. You think he just did it for Reginald, yeah, or do you? Yeah, I think. Well, I think it, uh, you know it's not hard to subdue a guy when you surprise him. You, you play this out in your mind. What makes the most sense? And you know, ironically, I'm going to use Occam's razor. So mm. Brady has a sword. He comes up behind this guy, lops his arm off. The guy's bleeding profusely. So how is he going to fight back? He well, and then he loses his balance too. Oh yeah, yeah. How is he? Yeah, and he was probably you know he's a former boxer. But, you know, he tries to all of a sudden he tries to lead with his ghost right, which is no longer there. Falls yeah, straight on his face. Now he's forever known as lefty. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And uh, but he tries, to, you know, because you still got those ghost things. You know, you still think your arms there, yeah. even though it's laying on the floor. <laughs> so he tries to throw a punch at the little man. Falls face down. He runs the blade right into his back. He's done. He throws, takes his body, throws it out. Now, great white shark gets the rest of his body. You know, there's a tiger shark and a great white shark swimming side by side, looking around for food. And the great white shark, being gracious, says, you can have the arm. I'm taking the rest of him. Now, they never caught that great white shark, and that's where the rest of his body was. There you go. Dad, any thoughts? I I, I just think if you try to shoot yourself or kill yourself three times and you don't succeed, I, I don't even know what you do. I mean, if you fuck that up, <clears throat> you you just should, should just give it up. You know, maybe, you just you maybe just, take it as a sign that you're not meant to die. You're just sitting there thinking, you know, I'm going to end it all. I can't do anything right, and then shoot yourself in the head, fall in the water, get tangled up in ropes. I mean, if you felt like shit right going right. in, you felt like much more of a failure with a really wicked headache. You know, to me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Colonel. I no, that's all I'm thinking about is you just you're thinking, you know, I'm a failure. I can't do anything. I'm just gonna end it all. Ping. Use a 32, it bounces off your thick skull. And uh then the next thing you know, you wake up with your feet all tangled up in ropes. The police got you, you're wet, you're naked. Well, I don't know if he was I naked, but he was cold. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I got a terrible cold. Oh, Shelly, that was a very good story. Well, can I can I add I one thing? Yes. I I have a I have a final thought. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a little bit of Stephen King, something Stephen King wrote in Gerald's game, and I'm gonna change it up a little bit. Jimmy, he used to be a winner, but he ended up a shark's dinner. Jimmy, Jimmy <laughs> shark's dinner. I think I've heard that one before. That is a perfect ending. There you go. <laughs> it was. It definitely was. I, I enjoyed that a lot. That poor fucker. All right. What we want to do now before we uh, before we go um, is we want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Um, Absolutely. For those of you who donate to the History Dweebs, and uh, Tim, how can they donate if they want to? Patreon.com slash History Dweebs, all one word, where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or... Heard just a wee tiny bit to me, just the tip. We promise you, just the tip. Just the tip, that's right. And and we have just really one level. It's, it's the $5 a month. We're not getting any bigger than that. But uh, we're going to start putting up some, some more uh, content 
uh, exclusive content for our Patreon subscribers. So um, we'd like to go ahead and, and, and read off our list now just, just to say thanks. Uh, thank you to Christina Harmeyer, who is a Patreon subscriber to the History Dweebs. Guy Savage, thank you to Guy. Elizabeth Lawrence. Anna Liz Lawrence down in Louisiana. Oh, that's right, Liz. Uh, that's right, Liz Lawrence. Yep. Anna Kaufman. Thank you to Anna. Gina Green. Uh, you know what? I love Gina Green, but she's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. How are you gonna love one of those? And she, I bet she's turning into a Swifty. I'm sure it's happening. If she wasn't one already, I don't think she'll ever be a Swifty. Chris Smith is a. Well, when if Chris Smith is a Swifty now? I bet he is. His wife, I bet, is. Yep. Yeah. Thank you to Emily Tarkakov. Tarkov. Tartakov. Tartakov. Emily, yes. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Buffy Sykes, thank you for for subscribing. Buffy? Uh, Danielle Townsend, thank you for being a Patreon subscriber to History Dweebs. Marianne (laughs) the... Knight is a Patreon subscriber to History Dweebs. Thank you so much. Thank you to Alan Cox. Thank you, Alan. Thank you to the Already Gone Podcast. That's our good friend, Nina Instead. So thank you so much. Ms. Jennifer Orcutt. Carl Asplund. Asplund. Thank you, Carl. Sue Van Hook is a subscriber to the History Dreams Patreon. Uh, Big shout out to Erica Kenny. Thank you, Erica. Um, I'm going to assume this is a podcast. It just says Rants and Reason. That that used to be um, our podcast, Context and Clarity. It was before that was the name we started with, was Rants and Reason. Oh, okay. Well, then, thank you, Shelley, for your (laughs) contribution to this podcast. Uh... Uh, our friend Ben Dubrovich. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Benny. Thank you to Ben. And uh, I'll spell this name because I don't want to mispronounce in case I do. J-A-I-R-O. Hyro or Gyro? Hyro. Hyro. That's a memory of... of, He was the first... Yes. Oh, okay. Hyro. Right. So so thank you to whoever keeps that up in memory of Hyro. Um... Chuck, a couple of your favorites, Clark and Diane Trowbridge. They are some. They are a couple of my favorites. I love to see. You know, Sh- uh, Clark should just have his own Instagram. A view from my office. <laughs> a view from my office. Yes, I, I love seeing those every day because my view never changes, <laughs> but his is pretty dynamic. It's it's good to see. Um, Michelle Johns. Uh, Michelle's great. Met her a couple times at DweebCon. I love Michelle Johns. Michelle, you know what? Let's just forever. thank her sister too. Yeah. Thank you to we want you to come. Jamie Dent, our our good good Jamie. friend in Florida, and the very hard worker with the um with the Christmas cards. She's she's she, huge. Yes, that, she is, and that and that actually should <laughs> be. I would imagine starting in the next month or so. Well. Yeah. She's a hard worker. Um, thank you to uh, Jamie and Jessica Ann do a lot with the with Dreamcon every year. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dreamcon. Absolutely. Um, 
Jess Hartford. Thank you to to Jess. Uh, Amber Anderson. Thank you so much for subscribing. Jennifer Svoboda. Svoboda. Okay. Svoboda. Our good friend Jennifer is always at Weep Con. Yes. Thank you to Canadian True Crime Podcast for their subscription, being supporters. Our good friend Christy Lee. Uh, Miss Sarah Bloom. One of the, reasons why, the only reason why the Colonel would ever go to Canada is to is see Christy Lee. Lee. Okay. Yeah. Go back to Canada. I went to Canada one time. Yeah. I was sorely disappointed. People were rude. They got these things. The money's called loonies. Loonies. Yeah. And they change shit up on you because they give you loonies in coins, but they're like two dollar loonies. Let me tell you. And let me tell you, the strippers in Windsor do not like it when you give them loonies. <laughs> no, they don't. I don't like when I get my change back because I'm pretty sure a Coke Zero cost me $22 American by the time they got done with me. And they, you know what they have? They've got up there too. They have ketchup chips. I mean, what, what, what self-respecting, respecting person is going to eat a ketchup chip? Well, I'm not really a self-respecting person, but I love ketchup on chips. Oh my gosh. They have Tim Hortons too. That's a win. All right. Sarah Bloom. Thank you for Sarah Bloom uh, for subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, Laura O'Reilly. A big thanks to Laura O'Reilly. Laura just had a birthday this week. Did she now? Okay. Well, happy belated birthday. Shirley Strap. Thank you to Shirley. Speaking of Canadian uh, greats, she is a Canadian great. Mr. Tom Long. Shirley is one of our original longest tenured members of history, <coughs> Dweebs, and we hope she is doing well. We're always She's thinking about Shirley, and we miss her. We haven't heard her from her for a while, so Shirley, if you're listening, let us know. Shirley, if you're listening. She's a lovely, lovely lady. I've called Shirley and a Todd couple Long times to check on her. I follow Todd Long. He always puts inspirational posts on his Facebook, and I like that. Okay. Because yes, I need a lot of inspiration. To, to Todd. Um... I think this is uh, this next one is uh, Mr. Anonymous. Anon, yes. Anon, 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 yes. Um, so thank you to him for being a subscriber. It's good to see him at uh, DweebCon as well. Absolutely, he's a or he's, not. He's a good dude. Or not saying that right. we didn't, we can't say. He he's, he's a invisible. he's a lot like John Cena. You can't see him. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ms. Cheryl when you LeBlanc do see, Whedon. He's a good guy. Weldon. He is a good guy, yes. Cheryl LeBlanc Weldon, thank you so much for being a subscriber to History Dweebs. Uh, Jeff and Don Chestnut. Aww. Dr. Jeff. Good friend, Dr. Jeff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Jason Dykes. Jason. Thank Occasional scriptwriter and, and right. librarian. The most Thank dangerous you. librarian in the world. <laughs> and then also thanks to to Woolhat, new, newer subscriber. I think a newer dweeb. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out to shout out to Woolhat. Thank you so much. And uh, Woolhat, been with us a long, long time. So thank you so much for um, for that. 
So again, if you'd like to um, give a little bit, as the Colonel says, patreon.com backslash history dweebs. And uh, as we mentioned, we're going to work to be putting more content, uh, exclusive content to Patreon on the Patreon page. That is a, a pet project of mine, and uh, we hope to get that going uh, soon. So stay tuned for that. Quick shout out to Justin Willis. Yes, and a shout-out to uh, Mr. Poe. We hope he recovers very quickly. Yes. He's been a little bit under the weather. Thank you. Oh, Tim, can you tell us about our sponsor? Yes, if you would like uh, to. It's the holiday season, so if you – I got a terrible cold, so. Well, I'm sorry. I'll I'll, I'll do it then. It's okay. Thank you. you. Holiday season, if you would like some some really good – they have beautiful wreaths made currently – um, for Halloween. Uh, I'm sure, though, that there will be ones for the next holidays coming up or just general if you'd like to decorate your door. Black Cat and Me. Uh, it's an Etsy shop, and you can find the link to Black Cat and Me on our page, historydweebs.org. You go there and look for Black Cat and Me. Click on the link. It'll take you directly to their Etsy shop. Beautiful, beautiful wreaths for sale. Goddamn, we have a real we yes. have a real webpage. Thank you, Thad, for doing that. And also, uh, this week was uh, Amanda Lupus's birthday. So, happy birthday to her. Big happy birthday to yeah, Amanda, absolutely. Her. Someone else who's I've got to meet at DweebCon, who's a very cool individual. She is. <clears throat> she is. So, thank you all for supporting us, and um, we appreciate your continuing support. Absolutely. All right. Any, are we done? Well, I just want to say that I miss Brandy. Do you? Brandy, I do. We do too, and we hope that she I did not even soon. notice she was not here, to be honest with you. But we appreciate you uh, uh, joining us, Shelly. And you don't have to, I mean, you can join us anytime, of course. It doesn't have to be when Brandy's not available, because it would be interesting to have you both on the show. I don't think it and would. And then we'd have... <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, I, you're right. I think Shelley, right. We do, we thank you, Shelly, for, uh, for joining us and the script. It was yes. really good. Thank you for the contribution. Well, thank you, thank you very much. Miss Shelly, it was wonderful to have you on, so thank you. Thanks. Thank all of you. And um, I think that's it. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Good Bye, day. everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. You don't want to be, you know, an alley blowing a hobo for $5 to get your next fix. It would be a sight to behold a pelican being vomited up. That would that'd be something. You know what? No, I'm not jumping up through that goddamn fiery hoop for a little tiny piece of salmon. Somebody going to have to wank me off here. Every beach is a new beach when I show up. So breaking yeah, it news. Has nothing to do with the guys. Girls think up. about penis. You can find a lot of great information on our website, historydweebs.org, from the link to our Facebook group to where you can find our podcast, our social media, TikTok, and YouTube links, as well, of course, as our Patreon. But our most important link is at the very top, our sponsor, Black Cat and Me Etsy Shop. 
So if you're looking for unique decorations for your home, go to Black Cat and Me Etsy shop. You can find the link on our page at historydweebs.org. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>